This is Danny Jolkin, and you're listening to the Level Flight Podcast. Welcome into episode 57 of the Level Flight Podcast. I'm Brian, and as always, I am joined by Connor and Elliot. Uh, Connor, Elliot, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Uh, all three of us just wrapped up our school term, so we're all kind of, you know, feeling free. We, we've still got exams, but we don't have to go back to campus and, and attend class. But I don't know if, Elliot, you share the same thought, but feeling good. If I didn't share the same thought, would that be a little weird? It would. It would. Yeah. Yeah, we're sharing the same thoughts, so don't worry about it. No, I'm just super glad that we're done with the term. Um, On to the Christmas break. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, it's going to be a little bit of a... I was going to say less structured, but are we ever really structured? Probably not. Um, (laughs) Episode today, because there was just really only a few real storylines over the last little bit. Uh, only a couple games, um, but we're going to kick it off with the first ever appearance by Connor Bedard at Canada Life Center. Um, a great game, I think, in terms of result, but it was also a lot of you know people's first time seeing him in person. Um, they come away with the win. Uh, it's a, a 3-1 win, and I'd love to know um your thoughts on this because it was a a game where it felt like it felt bigger than it was because normally you were not you know awaiting uh a fairly i'll I'll say it bad blackhawks team all things considered um but it had just this aura around it and it was during the uh the week of the of the connors um yes so uh we are we're, we're we're now at the end of that and we can now determine whether or not which connor is getting voted off the island um <laughs> let's start with is you survivor connor. it is yeah uh, let's start with you connor what did you think about this one well i feel like uh, yeah i'm an expert on this topic so i exactly. i should go first on this one um that was the best week of the year unbi super unbiased last last week with mcdavid bedard uh, Hellebuck, three straight starts. Just Connor's dominating everywhere. You love to see it. Um, but anyways, Connor Bedard. Uh, yeah, biggest crowd of the year inside Canada Life Center. Over 14,000. All because of him. All because of the Blackhawks are a big draw. You know, original six. And uh, they are a team that division rival. Always going to be a, a big game. And now for the next 15 years, that game is going to be even bigger because... Carter Bernard is just going to be there and lighten up the lamp. And that first goal, he scored under five minutes in to his first game ever against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and it was unbelievable. I mean, the puck ricochets to him and it's kind of in the middle of his feet. And what Bedard is so good at is like contorting his body and one times it past Hellebuck, who's sliding over, unable to make the save. But just unbelievable, like body control and the way he's able to shoot pucks is 
second to none. We've never seen it in the NHL before. And now he's in a, he's on a division rival for the next 15 years. So he's gonna, you're going to be seeing a lot of Connor Bedard goals against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, like just imagine if McDavid played in the Jets division. I think Jets fans would be even, they would groan at his name even, even more. Um, but here we go. This is, this is what it's going to be like. Um, but yeah, great game. Carter Hellebuck gets the third straight start. We all thought kind of Brassois, this game is bookmarked for him. He gets to start Monday. We'll talk about that. He played great, but another good start from Hellebuck. I haven't really like disliked any of the starts recently for Hellebuck, especially coming off that Florida road trip, but the jets did what they're supposed to against Chicago. But like you said, the aura around this game and the fans and Connor Bedard, it was, it was a fun afternoon inside Canada life center. It's crazy to me that Bedard got a – well, it's not that crazy, but it is a little crazy that he got a bigger draw than McDavid. Mm, and I think it's simply because it was a Saturday afternoon, and, like, if, if you're a parent – It was his with first a, game, I, too. If you're a parent with a young kid, and it's like, this is the next generation of the NHL, right? So it's like, if you want to take your kid to one game this year, why not go see Connor Bedard at 2 p.m.? You can have the kid in bed by – by nine, you're good to go. No harm, no foul, right? Yep. The 7 p.m. Thursday night game to go see McDavid's a little different, but it's yeah. a little bit different. But no, yeah. I thought the Jets played well. The Blackhawks had a lot more uh pushback than I thought. Uh <laughs> he said it. He said it. With a pause. Um, <laughs> with a pause. Dramatic pause. Dramatic pause. I thought uh I thought they played better than I was expecting them to. They fought the Jets a little bit more than what was, but the Jets, whenever the Jets got going, the Blackhawks couldn't like, yeah, like it was just chance after chance after chance. The Jets, it took a while for the Jets to get going. And then there were times in which they kind of just disappeared. But when they were getting the feet going, they were getting shots on net. It was chance after chance. So I thought they played well. And you, I mean, you can't really, Connor Hellebuck's been great. I don't blame him as much as he essentially let in the tying goal for the in the Edmonton game, the previous one. Like it's hard to it's hard to knock what he's been doing. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a pretty good team performance overall. One last thing on Bedard before we get to Brian's thoughts. I have a take. And come back to it in 20 years when we need to revisit it because it'll oh the, this take is long uh long take but anyways Connor Bedard at the end of the year you know how you see those graphics Alexander Ovechkin goals against which team the Winnipeg Jets are going to be the team he scores the most goals against in his career I'm going to veto that and I'm going to say no they're in division man he's like regular season goals like playoffs don't matter I just mean like in the regular season here is it's got to be a central division team I have a weird suspicion and you guys will both go, what? Because even I, when he got drafted, said this same thing. I have this weird suspicion that he will sign a bridge deal after his ELC. No. And then he's gone. I don't no know way, why. Man. No. I way. don't think he, I, I have a, and, and if he is, he, if, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. We can come back and say this is a bad take. I have a weird suspicion that the Blackhawks won't build a team around him and he will want out because he wants to win. I don't know. People say the same thing with McDavid, though. And like until but, this year, it's it wasn't really a valid argument. 
Well, like but this year they, now the they, Oilers are like, so you never know. But I don't know. Well, but Edmonton's always been eh, kind of in and around the playoff spot, which McDavid yeah. has been like that. Bedard, I like the Blackhawks. Yes, I get they have a bunch of prospects, but it's prospects. When the Oilers drafted McDavid, they already had some good players in place. Like they'd already drafted, they already had Taylor Hall, they already had Nuge, they already had. So, right, they'd already accumulated players and guys yep. were already starting to show. Bedard is, I'm kind of putting Bedard in the same situation as Taylor Hall was. I'm not saying they're the same player. And I know they're on the same mm-hmm. team, but Bedard is in that same position where Taylor Hall got drafted to Edmonton and there was nobody around him. And then he got frustrated because he wanted to win and it just wasn't happening in the cycle that he was trying to. So, yeah, may, well, be, be that as it may. I don't I don't think he scores just to prove my point or to finish my point. I don't think he scores as many goals on anybody being the Jets. I think it's somebody else, but that's personally because I think that he goes elsewhere and is in a different division for a longer time. We'll but, revisit these takes in 15 years when we're still yeah. doing the pod. Yeah, well, when he's yeah, in his, when he's do, when he's podcast. doing his uh what's it called? Episode one thousand. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> he, Ryan, what were your thoughts on Bedard yeah. before we just completely shut you out of the conversation? Oh no, I mean, <laughs> not a whole lot other than what you guys have said. I wanted to take a moment here though and highlight uh, Declan Chisholm, who mm-hmm. uh, recorded his first NHL point uh, against the Hawks. Um, finally, getting some game action, and uh, he looked good. I thought he looked great. Um, so we're, we're looking at now a situation where now that he's in games, people are realizing, oh, he's been solid. Um, and he'd really just wanted to actually get into those games. Uh, and now we're we're seeing the benefit of that. So uh, we're going to get to it later, but there's going to be a lot of conversation about I the defensive group in the next month or so. Um, yeah figuring out what happens next uh, upon the return of Villahanela. Um Yeah, I almost forgot about Chisholm, but yeah, he looked great. And I think that's important for context because when we move on to our next conversation in the next game here, um, yeah, he looked great and the Jets played six defensemen and he got into a rhythm clearly and had chemistry with Dylan Sandberg. Um, and yeah, I wonder why that is, before, right? But, yeah. Yeah. With yeah. The moves. They will put with the like, moves. Like we're the, cause I know wonder. for the most part, Chisholm was paired with Gavanka. And that was yeah. like their their pairing. But I, if I recall correctly, there was a period of time there where he did spend some time with Dylan Sandberg. Yeah, and it was it was mainly Chisholm, Gavanka, and Sandberg, Kovacevic. That was like yeah. the Moose's top four forever. Um, and then Hanela came in, and then like Sandberg moved up, and yeah, and Gavanka went elsewhere, and yeah. Um, but they have played before. They had chemistry and I thought they looked great together and then barely yeah. played together on Monday. Yeah. I wonder why which, that was, uh, we're going to move on to that now. Um, I'm going to start and Elliot. I know you're winding up here. I can tell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we are going to start though with how this game started and why it was the absolute oh. epitome of the Carolina hurricanes out shoot <laughs> your opponent 106 to four you're losing the game like it is a situation yeah. where it I, I honestly for the past what the five years even like it seems like carolina will throw anything and everything at the net and yes. what we've discovered is 
sometimes quantity does not outweigh quality. <laughs> and right. after that first period, uh, we saw that because uh, I think at one point the shots were, I think, what, 14 to 2, and the Jets took a one nothing lead on that second shot. Um, yeah. And it was one of those games where the chances the Jets generated were actually really good when they did generate, uh, mm -hmm. but the shots uh, just weren't really there. Um, but the real story, aside from what Elliot's about to, you know, go off on, was in the net, in the crease, is Laurent Brassois had the best game of his season and really hoping it's something he could build off of. 42 saves, gets the win. Uh, he's talking about himself now, like he is the most he's felt like himself since he started mm -hmm. this year. And as we know, goalies are voodoo. And if they feel good about themselves, typically that translates in, into their like their play. And I'm going to start with Connor again because I want to devote the entire second half of this conversation to let Elliot go off because I also have an issue with it, but I have a feeling he'll um, voice my thoughts too. Uh, Connor, what did you think about the Jets' effort in this one sort of compared to you know the shots that were taken? Yeah, I totally agree with what you said about the Hurricanes. Like they we've learned over the past few playoff runs that they've been on that the way that they play is almost to a fault. Like, yeah, they generate all these shots. Their Corsi looks great. They're always the number one Corsi team in the league. But in that first period, like I didn't think any chances were really like, whoa, that's a great A chance. And Brassois made a huge stop. Um, and against a team with a good defensive structure, like we've learned with the Jets. Uh, they kept them mainly to the perimeter. And it was like, yeah, you look up at the shot clock and it's 13-0. Um, and you don't like the zero. But the 13 shots from Carolina's end, I didn't think were all too dangerous. Uh, and then, yeah, the Jets end up scoring on like their second shot of the game. Kyle Connor, that was really a nice goal. One of Nikolai Ehlers' best games of the year. And that top line, I want to highlight it because the second line and third line did not really play well in this one. The third line, actually, I thought, um, it's something to monitor going forward, but I thought they had a really rough homestand. They were matched up with McDavid, the Bedard line, and then the Ajo line. Uh, and I think they just got shelled in all three. But the second line, Velarde still getting up to speed. Perfetti, you like what you see out of him, but that top line, holy moly. When they're on the rush, when they're just cooking in the offensive zone, feeding off each other, they are so much fun to watch. Shifley, I don't even know how he saw Ehlers on that second goal. It looked like he's just about to go around the net and then just fires it right to the slot right on the tape um and yeah Ehlers unbelievable he's he's back for sure and on the top line he looks great um but other than that oh Rick bonus another thing I want to highlight in the post game said quote tonight is the reason we signed him when talking about Lauren Brassois I thought yeah. that was pretty funny he's just yeah. like yep tonight was the reason we signed him and I was like you, well you obviously the, the games that he's been <laughs> being you know yeah. sub average goaltender or is not the reason you signed him so yeah I would have to exactly. agree Rick good game. I, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to inter interject yeah, just a quick second about Carolina I have a question this isn't and this is just a general knowledge question mm -hmm. are the Carolina Hurricanes building the team this way or is this a coaching philosophy that they have? I, I genuinely don't know, and I'm just curious oh, uh, and for other people that may not know. I think, I think it started with coaching philosophy, and now, like, when they brought in Brent Burns, like, that's so clearly to, bit, well, to fit the system. Like, he's just chaos and just shoots the pucks. The perfect so. Carolina player 
was Nino Niederreiter. Like yes. he fit there's like he generates a lot and but he uh, like he he'll finish a decent amount too like he's almost a guaranteed 20 goals. Uh but his shot quantity is almost always, you know, exceed his qualities. Um but yeah, you got like like that. There's a few other guys too where they bring in and be like that's a Carolina signing because all they do is put the puck on net. Um like that's Dougie Hamilton. That was the one that yeah. I was like okay cuz he yeah. he averaged like two shots a game. Um yeah. And you're like, okay, perfect. And then there was a stretch there where he had five shots and like 20 consecutive. I'm like, yeah, that's that's the Carolina way. Uh, and yep. I think um, the way they do that too, and I think like teams have figured that out. Um, when it was successful, they would just put everything on net and then have a couple guys crash in and try and you know bury it. They just get boxed out a lot now. Yeah. Um, like I'm just even thinking too, like you know some of the the sort of the interior guys. Uh, you're not seeing them get the chances as much, and it's up to the skill players to really make it happen. And it's, if any of them struggle, it's been tough for them, and like their goaltending's not good. Um, no. so you have well, to rely on on you, Bronto. Yeah, um, the flying poke but, check. That's, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> if you know, you know. Nikolai yeah. Ehlers was was livid at him. Well, not livid, but he was like uh, disappointed is a better word. Um, in the post game, he was like, I got to be better. 2 1 game, I got to bury that. Like the goalies at the blue line, he's like, What am I doing? But yeah, no drag um, release. Like, what are we doing here? One last thing on Nino Niederreiter. We're going to get to his extension oh, yeah. after the break. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't even mention that, but we are going to talk about it. We'll talk about it after the break, but we'll we'll finish the, our thoughts on the Carolina game first. <laughs> yeah. And so the thing, though, that I think a lot of people were wondering, um, is obviously yeah, great win for Brassois. Um, you know, just a great win in general. You got to beat you know good teams. Um, but after that game where we saw so much good out of Declan Chisholm, for whatever reason, they decided we need to bring in Logan Stanley to play a seventh defenseman role and upset the chemistry of whatever else is happening. Um, Elliot, I shall turn to you on this one because the second it happened, you texted me and Connor and being like, I'm going to rant about this on the pod. So yep. uh, um, I knew this. Yeah. Was I knew this was coming. <laughs> so I also just want to put out there. If you didn't see it on my Twitter, um, by the way, follow us on all socials. Um, also the level of light stuff. Um, yeah. I tweeted out as soon as it happened. I'm, like, I'm going to have a take on this. So quickly reeling it back. So Declan Chisholm has a great game with Chicago, right? So we get into the game against Carolina. My whole thought process is, oh, great. We hear that Chisholm's getting another game. That's good to see. Don't really care. Him him and Schmidt both have been doing just fine. Like they, if they want to just rotate them to get a different guy in, whatever, to keep hot hand, whatever, fine. Then I see, oh, there are only 11 forwards on the ice at optional practice today. There are seven defensemen. And I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe they're just getting Stanley in some reps. That's fine. Then, well, at first, actually, I thought it was Schmidt and Chisholm. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't mind that. You get both guys in. You get seven. That's okay. Yeah. Then I see a tweet. Shout out Scott Billick. Um, going, Stanley's on the ice in full gear. He's probably just getting a skate in. And I go, okay. And I don't think about it. And I put my phone down. 
I check my phone about seven minutes later and I see on my timeline that nope, the Jets are going 11 and 7. Uh, Schmidt is still out in the press box and Stanley is in with Chisholm. And I go, what are we doing? So this gets me to my point. What are we doing? Why? Why? Like, we, you have, you have, you have seven defensemen. You have seven great defensemen. Like, you, you don't need to throw in an eighth. Like, I know you're only playing with seven, but you put Schmidt up in the press box, who already has sat out a game for, for, a, for a bunch of times this year for different guys from Chisholm to, like, excuse me, from Chisholm to Stanley, like, to Billy, even, if you want to go all the way back to the preseason. Like, fine, you're not comfortable with having Schmidt in as the sixth and too much. Then don't bring in Stanley instead. Like, we don't need to see Logan Stanley. Chisholm had a great game the night before. Stanley Elliot, got more minutes than Chisholm. Foot seven. <laughs> you have yep. to see him. I I know you can't. I, I, I wish he was wearing camouflage because it would be great to just not see him and pretend he wasn't there. Because I'm I, I'm I'm actually genuinely curious, and somebody can either one of the viewers or whatever can let me know what are Logan Stanley's numbers when when he's on the ice for the Jets. Like I don't feel like they yeah they can't be great because I get it guys like Neil Pionk. And we saw it a couple times with Chisholm. And Sandberg does it from time to time. All the defensemen have made some mistakes this year. But I don't know what it is. Logan Stanley seems to have at least two or three giveaways a night where I go, who was that even two? Like I get, and it's funny because the other five or depending six guys will have like one of them will have one of those a night. Other than that. They're, they're they're pretty good about passes and not making really stupid plays. Like I I just don't get we we don't need the grit we don't need the size we don't need and like the Jets don't need Logan Stanley in uniform. Well, that's I, the I, like, whole thing though, where it's like one. My biggest thing with him is his foot speed. Like he just can't keep up with anything. What, um, what was that two, rush through the neutral zone? Like, I yeah, don't know I if you guys – like, what? who allowed Logan Stanley to take the puck from inside his own zone and rush all the way to the opposite blue line to then just dump the puck in? Like, he actually yeah. kind of got some speed going, and I kind of thought he was going to drive the net and do some weird Tyler Myers impression, and he just dumped the puck in to a Carolina player, and they turned around in transition and came right back at him. And then a Tyler Myers reference on episode 57. Oh, wow. Wow. No, but like to, to your point though, Elliot, like um, I can confidently say that like anyone who's looking for him to bring the grit and being like a guy who could fight, he can't do either. Like he, no. he's not able to be this big physical imposing defenseman. Like he's just big. Like you, you can be physical and imposing. He's just imposing. Um, but the, the issue there is like he can't really lay a hit on anyone because usually by the time he gets there, they're past him. Yeah. Um, this was the biggest then... misconception with Tyler Myers. And it's the same thing with Logan Stanley. People thought because Myers was what six foot seven, six foot six, that yeah. he was like yeah. some big, imposing physical defenseman. But you look at the end of the year and like 
a guy like Dylan DeMello would have more hits than him. Like he just didn't yeah. hit. Well, that's and the same, same like, thing. It's, it's with a common Stanley. misconception. Yes, because yeah. big equals physical, but it doesn't. No. That being it said, doesn't. at least Tyler Myers a, had that weird, weird anger issue where, like, if something happened on the ice to one of his <laughs> his guys, uh, he would unleash some sort of rage that I have only seen uh, in movies. Um, <laughs> but and like he he would legitimately just like that. he would make sure that they left the ice, uh, whether it was via the penalty box or someone dragging them off by their feet. Um, yep. I can't honestly say the same that i would trust you know stanley to be able to step in there and protect his guys because whenever i see a fight like even if the guy's smaller than him i find that he's typically not the one coming out on top on that one yeah no so and i don't know the what biggest, the point is there the biggest issue i have um not even from what even happened on the ice really but like okay no, no i'll get to that in a second other, like completely other point the Jets are done with Nate Schmidt. Like the fact that they're Clearly. going 11 and seven and Logan Stanley's getting in over Nate Schmidt, like just speaks. It says everything you need to know. Nate Schmidt's yeah. making almost $6 million a year. And when the Jets bring in an extra defenseman, he's not even the one to come in. Um, yeah. yeah. So whether a trade is coming up, buyout is coming, I don't know, but his days as a Jet are likely done. Um, and then. My second issue with this, well, I guess that first one isn't really an issue, but my my other issue is Declan Chisholm plays 10 minutes of ice time in this game. He gets three shifts in the third period, and I don't know about you guys, but he noticeably looked worse than he did when he played a full third-pairing role on Saturday, um, and it has to do with rhythm, I'd think. Yep. Like, I haven't had the chance to pass Declan agree. Chisholm, but... His partner is con constantly changing. He's going with Sandberg. He's going with Schmidt. He even went out once with Dylan. Um, and it was like, okay, so it's just this constant rotation where you don't really know your partners. Uh, and you're only playing like three, four shifts a period. And you yeah. get 10 minutes of total time on ice. I just, I think the rhythm was clearly off for Chisholm. And it did not do him any favors in terms of staying in the lineup. Because I think... He looked great on Saturday and he could be yeah. the option until Villy comes back. Uh, yeah. And then they go 11 and seven and he looks worse. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? Because we, like, no matter how much you play, you got to be ready as a player. But yeah. at the same time, like as a coaching staff, you kind of got to lend the player a hand as well. Like it's the second game of the season uh, and you're playing him three shifts a period and 10 minutes like his rhythm is going to be playing off. him for he hasn't played with this specific team for 23 months like what and what, what do not, you i'm not saying give him top four minutes and play him 20 minutes a night just to get him in a rhythm i'm just saying give him, give a, him a partner regular, give him yeah. yeah a consistent partner and 14 minutes a night and yep. like six shifts a period that yep. that'll keep a player in rhythm we saw it on saturday he looked great he looked aggressive he was moving the puck well rick bonus spoke to how He's making the right play and young players will often, you know, be under pressure and give their problem to someone else. But he never did that. Uh, and I saw a lot of that on Monday, if I'm being honest. And I think it has mostly to do with the fact that he was completely out of rhythm, maybe with seven defensemen in the lineup. He was trying to do too much, trying to impress because uh, he's like, well, Stanley's right on my heels now because he's in the lineup. So he might be stealing my spot soon. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what it was, yeah. but I think it, I think it mostly had to do with rhythm, and I did not like the decision. I think it was stupid. Yeah. 
just flat out yep. not a very smart decision from the coaching staff. Like I, I hate to th- throw Rick Bonus under the bus like that, but there was a really bad decision because now you go in and you go, well, Stanley didn't look good, and then Chisholm didn't look good in his second game. So where are you right back to where you didn't want to be? Ville Hanala, get well soon. Yeah, which well, speaking of, we're gonna chat about him soon because he was spotted on the ice, uh, you know, this week. Um, and we've we've also we we do have to talk about Nino's contract extension. Yes, uh, and then a couple other things with the forward group that we're uh, we're seeing. You know, Gabe Velarde's back up to rhythm now. Um, but first, we're gonna uh, hear a quick message from our sponsor, DraftKings, and we will be right back. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY or 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-QUADRUPLE-7 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, see dkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources uh, are there for your availability. Uh, bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Welcome back into episode 57 of the Level Flight Podcast. Thanks again to DraftKings for sponsoring us again and every week. Um, we finished off with a, a conversation about the uh, defensive group there. Uh, some news out of the uh, Ville Hanala department. Um, saw this week, first of all, the first clip we saw was him wandering around stick handling on the ice in slides <laughs> which if you ever needed any sort of reassurance that his ankle is strong enough now, that's probably it because I'm sorry, I don't you're know. walking around on ice in thin little Adidas slides. He trusts it. I don't know if reassurance was what people got out of that video, but I think everyone was holding their breath. They didn't like face plant, but whatever. <laughs> they wouldn't have shown that on video anyways. They would have cut True. that out. <laughs> yeah um but no and then he's he is actually skating and he's he's on the ice again today uh on his own sheet um uh, but in equipment and everything um rick bonus said he's still a ways away uh but i mean it's very promising to see him skating um i mean he's right sort of on his timeline right now um because i think it was what was it four to six six ish six to eight i don't know somewhere between there it, it was two um, to three months two to three months I, yeah it was like yeah. eight, yeah. To so 12. eight to twelve weeks yeah yeah eight to twelve so weeks he's, so we're, we're reaching a point now where we're we're seeing him get back into that sort of visible rehab of it because and obviously think, he's doing all the stuff off the ice but yeah i think skating. i think we're already at nine weeks almost the, at nine i believe yeah so uh, like you saw it with velarde you'll see it again with hanala it's going to be 12. 
Like when they say these timelines, and you might see with Kapari too, Kapari was four to six weeks. Uh, just in your head, think about it as 12 weeks, six weeks, like just the last. Because yeah. they're not going to rush these players back, especially when the Jets are in a playoff spot, especially when the Jets are rotating their sixth defenseman and can rotate in Schmidt, Chisholm, whoever they want, Stanley. Um, but they'll just slowly bring him back. He's 23 years old. They're not going to put him in the lineup when his ankle's not 100%. So just assume well, it's going to be 12. And and they're probably going to give him a few games with the moose too. Like That's the thing. Like he has, he's, yeah. he's waiver exempt. Like, I mean, granted it, it doesn't really matter. Like they could have assigned him on a conditioning loan, but mm-hmm. he's waiver exempt too. So they can just send him down whenever. Uh, probably get him a couple games in, but it bodes so well for him that they cannot decide on who they want in that third pairing exactly. spot. Exactly. Uh, because if there was a point where you were ever going to see like a, oh, this is his shot to really win a role because like in other things, it's been like an injury to like a top guy, they bring him in. And then as soon as that guy comes back, it's like either press box or moose, like there's no in between. Now Schmidt's been sitting for the last you know few games. Stanley plays once every three weeks, essentially. Yeah. Um, Chisholm, looks good but i'll be honest i don't see him sticking as that guy unless he starts producing at the same level offensively that he did with the moose so immediately you see philly handling go all right step up to the plate kid like clearly they liked what they saw in the preseason um and like bonus seemed legitimately upset when the news came down about his timeline and everything i think we see the opportunity here that once he's back up to speed they slot him in on that third pairing. They run with it until they either decide it's not working or they have to move someone else around. So um, I think, I think yeah. in preseason, everyone kind of knew that he had won the job. Like it was known that he, he was playing in every preseason game. He looked great. And then that last one comes and he shatters his ankle and he's out 12 weeks. And yeah, like you said, bonus sounded defeated and rightfully so he thought our decor is going to be, perfectly healthy this new kid that um we haven't really given a real shot to has looked great in preseason this is going to be great we've got our, our six defensemen lined up for this full season and then right before the season starts one of them shatters ankle. but i i i think you ask anyone they they would agree that villy won the job in preseason so i think they're going to give him every chance to do the same when he's healthy yeah yeah i think the the biggest thing is if the reason is that they're rotating is because they don't like what anybody else has and they're just waiting for Philly to come back. Mm. And I think, yeah, like you said, Connor, I think once he is back, I don't think it'll be this one to two game thing that they give them an opportunity for. I think it'll be a multiple game, multiple opportunity sort of thing. So yeah, agreed. Um, Yeah. And like, we already had the conversation too about like the other guys and what's happening. Um, so I think that's about all we need to, you know, spend on that because we have no clue when he's actually going to be back. Cause that's the thing with, with him skating and then bonus, you know, reaffirming that he's still a ways away. Uh, as you said, we're looking at the top end of that range. So it's something to keep an eye on, especially too. like, this could change if, you know, one of these guys in the the defensive group gets hurt and then suddenly when he comes back, he might be somewhere else. So might even be in the top four. You never know. Yeah. Who knows? Um, there's still weeks away. Weeks away. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I want to shift though to some contract news. Um, 
dropped the uh, the other day uh, when I was in the middle of giving a presentation in our business class um, <laughs> that I missed it at the time. The Jets re-signed Nino Niederreiter to a, th- a three-year extension worth $4 million per. Um, so essentially, because he was making that same amount too, right? Yeah. So it, they just extended I, his current deal. It is sort of structured differently. It is front-loaded. Um, I mean, that makes I sense. Like just he's, he's getting up there in age. So, like, mm-hmm. I saw something really good, though, about how he plays, where, like, it it made me feel really good about the deal. I mean, I felt good about it anyways. I don't have any issues with it for three years. But with how he plays and how consistent he has been throughout his entire career, even if he regresses in the next three years, it's not going to be enough to be like this contract is an albatross. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, mean, especially I, I love when the guy. I've year. been on record loving the guy for a long time. Like even before he came, yeah. uh, you know, to the jets, I was such a huge fan. It's, it's also easy to, to like a guy when he's got such a great name. Um, but, and I <laughs> yeah. love that the jets are leaning into the whole fuel by Metallica, you know, reference. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, like uh, I kind of let my thoughts known there on that. Um, Elliot, overall, when you look at this contract, how do you feel about it? I feel pretty good. I think the best part of it is that three and a half million at the back end, right? Like you're paying him four and a half next year. It's a 500K increase. So if he doesn't perform, whatever. Next year is the four, which we've been paying. You were paying him already. Great. And then, yeah, that three and a half in the last year, especially let's say he has started to fall off, feels enough to swallow if you need to trade him or do it. Like, I think it was really good work done. I can't believe I'm saying this. It was really good contract work done by Kevin Chevaldeoff to get Nino essentially like the exact same money. Like he he's he Nino's not losing out on anything. It's literally just one year he's making more than the next, and that that's about it. Plus, I think it's a huge thing to bring a guy in that wants to be here and then keep a guy that likes being here and wanted to stay and got it done like that. Like it yep. it was start of the season. Oh, Nino's contract is up, and within three months of the season, two months into the season, it's nope, he signed. Don't have to worry about them. Like, yeah, I, th- I think that's really tidy work. Yeah. And I'll take it even one step further outside of this contract. The entire Nito Niederreiter Winnipeg Jets saga is ke- some of Kevin Shoveldayoff's best work. You trade for him at the deadline oh, yeah. for a two. And that's just like an, a slam dunk acquisition. You get a bona fide top six player for a second round pick. And then you extend him for three more years at the same dollar value that he was on before Um, the athletic has player cards. Um, I tweeted it out. Go check it out. If you haven't seen it already, his surplus value that he's going to give on this contract is going to be very, very good. Uh, He's, he's playing at a market value of 6.7 million right now on the third line. Um, And that is like, they're signing him for 3 million less basically um, than they should be theoretically. Like it's, it Nino Niederreiter is one of the most consistent goal scorers. He's gonna score 20 goals. Everyone knows it. Um, and he's he's been a big reason for the culture shift. Rick Bonus spoke to that in the, the press conference that they had that morning. Um, and he said, I loved this quote. He said, uh, a few years ago, all we heard about was everyone wanting out. Now players want in. 
and that's a great thing. And well, I was that's like, the thing that's, too. Like that, the entire yeah. discourse this entire time is about how much Nino fell in love with the city of Winnipeg. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I, I just, I love it here. He wants to be here, and like that's the thing. Like, and obviously, there's a lot that goes around about guys who like the the no trade lists and you know guys yeah. who want out. Um, but it legitimately makes a difference when guys rave about the, you know, the city and, you know, the team and the culture. And I, we're hearing a lot about that, which I feel like we can devote something to next episode because, uh, every time someone talks about something, they bring up how good the locker room is now. And like, compared to, yeah, compared to, yeah, like that, that's, that's the thing we're, that would take us to an hour alone having yeah. that conversation <laughs> uh so that might be something we bring up next week uh but i think it's it's i don't think it's nothing to see that yeah. everyone's commenting on how good the locker room is this year and how close everyone is and you see it too like it's everyone just seems like they just want to be in that room and i think that's and speaking, big um and yeah and speaking of players in the room uh Niederreiter in both his media scrum and his one-on-one with Sarah Oleski mentioned the Hellebuck and Shifley extensions. And yep. we said it at the time, these players are buying in and this is going to send a message to not only the fans, but the organization, the players in the room that we're all in. And Nino brought it up and said, you see um, Scheif and Hellebuck sign these contracts and you immediately think to yourself, okay, this team wants to win. This team is bought in. These guys are here mm-hmm. for the long run. They want to be Winnipeg Jets and they want to win a cup here. Uh, I think that can't go understated when you see a deal like this and you retain another notable player. Um, the Jets are definitely turning a corner in terms of that, squashing that narrative a little bit that no one wants to play in Winnipeg. Truba wanted out. Cobb wanted out. Dubois wanted out. I think Dubois already wants out of L.A. Um, but it's, it's, we're at the point where they're starting to retain like a Vesna goaltender and a top line center and a top six forward that you acquired at the trade deadline signed here for three more years because of how much he loved the city. Like this is yep. this not only on ice impact, I think off ice has just as big of an impact, but on the ice, you know, need rider slam dunk extension. Uh, it was great. Great work by Shovel Day Off. And uh, I just thought that the Rick Bonus quote about everyone used to want out, now everyone wants in. And uh, yeah, Niederreiter's quotes about the Hellbuck and Shifley extensions, I thought those were very notable because you're seeing a culture shift happen. And uh, it's great to see, honestly. We love Winnipeg. So the more people that love Winnipeg, we love them too. <laughs> yeah. No, and like that that's the thing. Like, I feel like it's it's just one of, those situations where it's you embrace the people who want to be there. And then it just so happens that he's also a really good hockey player. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's not a third line um, player. He's been on the third line no. all year. He's not a third line player. Like he's a top six player. It's, he's the reason that third line has been as good as it has. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but no. Um, so yeah, we got Nino for, you know, a few extra years here. Um, and, you know, I'm going to shift here. We're the Level Flight Podcast, and obviously that's about the Jets. But you know what else flies? Birds. The Blue Jays <laughs> are in on the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. Uh, speaking oh, of signings, um, I've been thinking about how to segue for that for about the last twenty minutes. So, um, <laughs> love it. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna touch base here. We're on Otani watch. Um, 
And so, so far, what we know is that the Jays are, in fact, one of the finalists um, and are very much involved in the Otani sweepstakes. Um, I think something very important is happening right now, too, where it sounds like the Yankees are pulling the trigger on Juan Soto, which means they think that, you know, the level of being in on Otani is getting to a point where, okay, we're, we're not involved in this. And we're also knowing that someone else is involved. We should probably try and you know, make our move for the next guy. Um, yeah. We know yesterday that there was what seems to be a massive blunder by Dodgers manager, Dave Roberts, who there was a whole thing. And I, I, I still, I don't know to the extent of what it'll do to impact it. But like it came out early in like a Jeff Passan article where it was like uh, anything in terms of meetings made public, he, uh, Otani and his camp will hold that against the team who made it public. Uh, yeah. So far, Ross Atkins is like a stone. You cannot break yeah. that man. Like you, you, you look I at love him, it. Like they, they, they ask him direct questions. Like he had like a one-on-one with, uh, with Hazel and Ben Nicholson Smith. Uh, and like they just kept grilling him with like, and he just would just dance around it that he cannot yeah. be broken. It is phenomenal. No. I, I love watching it. Never have I been more confident in his ability to talk forever and say nothing. Um, and politician style. It's oh, so yeah. good. And but meanwhile, on the other side of things, uh, Dave Roberts essentially like he was talking as if he was already on the team. Uh, with like you know our staff, you know we're confident that he'll pitch again and and all this, and then. Literal seconds later, the president of baseball ops and the GM both were like, we can't say anything. And they were like shocked that uh, Robert said anything. Um, the, the quote that I found funny was like the, the tweet said um, they were asked about it. And then the follow up was like, do you think it'll impact your chances to get Shohei Otani? And the, the GM's response was like, I honestly don't know. And it's like the fact that he's questioning whether or not that screwed up yeah. their chances for the like the most important baseball signing ever, arguably, yeah. like is ridiculous. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that the Blue Jays are actually in on Otani. And I I honestly think it's down to the Dodgers and Jays. And we had a pretty, pretty good conversation on campus the other day about you know, like what the advantages are for the Jays, what the advantages would be if he went to LA. Um, it's just, it's so funny because we had such a long conversation about like player development stuff and like roster construction. And then if it all comes down to, and it, and if it all comes down, <laughs> if it Dave all comes Roberts. down to Dave Roberts saying, yeah, we met with him on Monday. Like that is hilarious. And as Jays fans, I, I don't like, yeah. think it's insignificant though. And like that whole thing aside, like, because it was also funny too, because apparently after he got like pulled aside and got like a very, like what looked to be a serious text and was like talking to like the PR people. Um, he was at, apparently he was sitting at, like he just finished and his phone buzzed and he literally picked out his phone, looked at his phone and saw the text and got up immediately and went straight to the PR people beside the table. Yeah. That's the best part. Um, I don't think though it's insignificant um, that he laid out the entire timeline of what they met Yeah, because I'm if you're meeting with the Dodgers who are apparently everyone thinks that that's the number one destination. You're meeting with them on the Monday. Everyone is 
resign themselves to thinking that that's where he's going. Are you really going to fly five hours two days later and spend like four hours or something at a player development complex in Florida if you're not at least interested in the possibility of signing in Toronto? Yeah. I, I, That's oh, the I thing. think that the, the interest is there for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, unless he's the nicest person ever and just wants to indulge the, the interest as well. Um, I personally, like, granted, if it's for $600 million, I'd fly anywhere for, you know, a meeting. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I think legitimately there is a case to be made that the Jays might honestly be closer to favorites now than they were even like 24 hours ago. And I think, I think it started at, at least me personally. It started with, okay, the Cubs, Giants, Dodgers, all these huge teams are in on Otani, um, and it's like, oh, you see the Jays there, and you think, well, maybe they're just like throwing the Jays in there to like drive the price up and like use them as leverage. And then it was down to um, like four teams, and the Jays were still in there. And I'm like, eh, okay, probably the longest shot out of the four. Now you look at it and it's like, okay, it's the Dodgers or the Jays, or I guess like the Angels. He could go back. Uh, I don't know why. Which he would be the back. most boring option. Like, come on. So now. boring. Yeah. yeah. At least go to at least go to the Dodgers. If you're gonna if you're gonna stay in LA, honestly, at least go to the Dodgers so that we can maybe see Otani in the playoffs because it's not gonna happen on the Angels. Um yeah. but the fact that yeah, they are absolutely in the mix. Uh Ross Atkins is like a media guru right now he's not saying a word um it's it well, this is I, I like think, so much fun twitter is a, an amazing listen place i, I right hate now twitter now all the jokes uh, yeah. ever since it became x it's been insufferable but now that i i forgot how much fun it is it's like Kawhi watch all over again yes um yes like people are tracking planes you're like if this person left santa Ana and traveled to saint petersburg at roughly this time and then there was a plane that departed there and went to nashville I'm like that's ross atkins um, yeah. uh but that's no where I, I think oh it's also God. not i mean it's off it's very significant there was a report that came out yesterday in the toronto sun that uh, apparently rogers is entirely behind the jays just opening their wallet and essentially handing a blank check because yeah. i think they realize it should be the impact of it's it's beyond baseball like far beyond baseball you become yes. the most marketable team uh essentially in the entire league because you have these guys that are so easy to watch you become a immediate contender at, at the very least in the american league probably the entire league for a championship you the amount of jersey sales that you have on day he's one, gonna pay for his own contract yeah. He's gonna pay for his like, own contract in jersey sales. The con- yeah. like, the, I'm get, I'll buy eight jerseys. Of this. I'll buy eight Otani jerseys, Rogers. If you're listening, if you Day sign one, Otani, I'm going to the store. I'm yeah. go, I'm gonna get a, a number pressed on it because I've got a jersey <laughs> that's blank and I've been waiting for this moment. Um, there you go. Waiting specifically for Otani. Listen, I knew. <laughs> uh, but I, I, knew. I I honestly think that we're we're coming down to it. I think. By the time we record next episode, he will be where he's going to be for the next ten plus years. You think he'll sign? I think we're looking next week. Japan. I think so. From what from what I can (laughs) gather, like I think he wants it done by the end of, uh, you know, winter meetings because he's also this is another huge thing. Like it comes back to the whole uh, development complex. He is a health and fitness nut. 
Like he wants yeah. to be the best version of himself physically at all times. So if you can sign, like let's say, let's say he does sign with the Jays. If you can sign like in the next couple days and then spend the rest of the offseason at the PDC, he's gonna feel so much better about himself. And like not only that, they are in the process of also renovating all the player uh you know development stuff at Rogers Center. You're giving me too much hope, Brian. Listen, my hope stuff. I'm going to be crushed. It, it, the same it could way, be delusion. Same way I don't think it is at this point. The same with Kawhi Watch. The secrecy, the hype, the the analyzing, the planes, the body language, it, all to get the hopes up and then get crushed. By Here, here's my. I'm going to an LA team. And where have we seen this before? Plenty of yeah. times. Holy Do I need God. to mention Freddie Freeman? Yeah, well, that, that felt different, you, though, because that was like uh, the Braves no. doing. No, uh, it, it, but you're the you're, Jays. Were the I'm sorry. Runner. You cannot make the, the conversation. They were they weren't. That was like Hector Gomez being like they're in on him. None of the major outlets were like the Jays are, you know, headlining the group. It was always the Dodgers. Um. There this was the for first a minute time again that... the Jays were the front runner. I do I if we're talking Twitter, Twitter was very active and there was lots of stuff about and I'm not just and I'm talking about media outlets for at least a couple days before he signed, as much as the Dodgers were the front runner for a long time, there was at least 3 days straight before he signed with the Dodgers that the Jays were the front runner. I, all I heard was oh it's flipped, Freddie Freeman is now we're all three of us were sitting we were sitting in our telegram chat we were waiting for him we were assuming he was going to be signing with the jays and then he signed with the dodgers so yeah that's all i'll say yeah the only thing is though like i i wasn't like heartbroken when freddie freeman didn't sign for the jays no i will legitimately be disappointed if the jays go this far are willing to pay him whatever the hell he wants and they still miss out that's the thing. Yeah. Like I, and the Dodgers, I'm and the Dodgers say fairly certain you're looking at a 600 million plus dollar contract. Easily, um, and I'm thinking you're like it could be a situation where it's 10 by you know 620 or whatever, and you get 62 and a half million per season. That seems reasonable at this point, if not higher. Um, but honestly, and, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. it honestly doesn't matter. It's so worth it. You could pay them to 700 million. It's still worth it. Like it, like it doesn't like beyond it, like the, thing, the, the, the outside uh, of baseball impact that he has is it pays for half of it itself. And then yeah. that's the thing. Even if he's not pitching, he's going to hit you 40, 45, 50 bombs a year, hundred some odd uh, RBIs. He's going to steal you a bunch of bases, a few triples. Like that's the thing. Like he's, he is such a unicorn that he's just going to be able to change the direction of things. Yep. Yep. So we are on Shohei Watch. We, we might even do a, are. a pop-up episode when they when he signs, wherever if it's with the Jays. If it's uh, with the, the Dodgers, Jets. if it's with the Dodgers, I don't know if we'll do it because it'll just be us like depressed for 15 We're minutes. Shutting down you the pod. Two, not me. <laughs> yeah, right. You two. I'm Elliot will be like people don't I know. called it just like Freddie Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's these two are Jays fans. I'm a Twins fan. So personally, it doesn't affect me at all. As long as obviously he doesn't come to the AL Central, but he's obviously not are the coming twin, here. Are the Twins in on him? 
Uh, I don't think the Twins are in on anybody because they weren't even in on Sonny Gray. So I don't even know how how that happened. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to end off. There is a, yeah. a fifteen minute chat about baseball. Um, <laughs> Love it, absolutely. Um, if yeah, Tony so, signs with the Jays, we'll have to do that every episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that we'll we'll turn this into a partial, you know, Jays pod, and I'll just change the background to a lighter shade of blue. Um, we'll start. We'll start another pod. LFP. Yeah. And like I don't know. LFP Blue Jays. Yeah, LFP Blue Jays. All right, but uh, yeah, we're gonna wrap it up for here for today. Um, I'm sure next week we're gonna be talking about this wherever it happens. Um, you know, a few games coming up. Most notably, when you hear this tonight, uh, the Jets will be facing off against the Colorado Avalanche, who, as always, dangerous. Um, yeah. So you'll hear our thoughts on that. But uh, until then. Thank you so much for listening. Go, you know, follow us on our socials. Go, you know, rate and review on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, subscribe on YouTube. You know, give us a share. We always appreciate it. Um, so if you can do that, great. And we hope you enjoy uh, from Connor and Elliot. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you. Peace. You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.